Well, let's take our Bibles this morning and let's go to 1 John chapter number 5. It's going to be sort of our key uh, passage here in just a moment. 1 John chapter 5, as we continue our series on what true faith looks like in the life of the committed follower of Jesus Christ. Now, so far in our series, this is message number six, but so far we've talked about uh, some key uh, aspects or key character traits that define what it looks like to be a person of faith. Uh, We've talked about how a person of faith is someone whose faith, first of all, is a priority in our lives. As well, uh, we see that evidence begins to flow out of a heart to grow and a heart to serve other people. And last week, we saw that uh, the person that is growing in their faith and their faith is evidence is someone who has a mindset of victory, if you remember that. Someone who's determined that I'm going to continue on, I'm going to press on in the Christian life, and I'm going to uh, really do all that I can to be the proper and right uh, representation of Christ here in this life. And a lot of the focus that we've talked about uh, has been uh, over the idea of an outward focus and, and developing our faith in such a way that others would be pointed to Jesus Christ. And ultimately what it all comes down to, church, is that if you are a follower of Jesus, the truth is there is a measurable change. There is a definitive focus and forward motion that makes a difference in your life and it makes a difference in the lives of other people. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And I love that idea that old things are passed away, all things are become new. Why is that? That is because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. And so if you're here today and you're without Christ, you're still living in the old. And what happens is when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's a new uh, thing that takes place. You're completely transformed. And that's a wonderful aspect of the Christian life. In Romans 6, verse 4, it says that we are buried with him by baptism into death. And this, of course, is the picture there of baptism. Uh, That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. See, if you are growing in your faith, if your faith is evidence to a lost world that Jesus is real, then there's going to be a growing body of evidence that your faith is genuine and that there's a difference that has taken place in your life. And as Christians, we mentally assent to this all the time, don't we? We're always like, yes, of course, I'm saved, therefore there's a change in me. Sure, things are going to be different, but at the same time, I find myself, and maybe you find yourself thinking this. And maybe asking yourself the question, am I truly growing? And is my faith growing? Have you ever asked yourself that? How do I know for sure that my faith is developing to where God wants it to be? Well, this morning I want to bring light to that question with what I believe is one of the greatest evidences of a growing faith. Now, to me, it's it's very easy to identify this subject we're going to talk about this morning. It's very easy to identify, and it brings some of the greatest blessings of the Christian life But as so many things in the Christian life, while it's easy to identify, it's hard to execute. You know what I'm talking about when I say that? It's hard to execute. It's easy easy to see when it's happening, but it's very difficult to execute. Some of you have jobs like that, you know, and and when you share your job to other people, they're like, man, that just seems so amazing, you know, and so simple, right? It's so easy, and you're like, no, this is very difficult to do. This is a challenging thing. It's based off of maybe years of experience and of study. But the subject we're going to talk about this morning is difficult because To get there, what it takes is a complete denial of self. And it takes a complete reliance completely on God. This morning, the subject and the evidence of our faith is the idea of consistent spiritual victory. Consistent spiritual victory. Now, whenever the subject of spiritual victory comes up, we all get inspired, don't we, right? 
I'm a, as a Christian, I do. You think spiritual victory, you're like, all right, here we go, right? We got this. God is greater than all things. And we get excited because we're reminded about the power of God and how he's in control, you know, and we read the back of the Bible and we know what happens, right? We win and he wins and, and we know all of these things and we get excited about it uh, and we get pumped up and we remember those victories that we've had in our life. And, you know, Nisi uh, talked about some today and, you know, there's some things that God has done in his life and we remember those and we get excited and we get encouraged and, and we're just, we're ready to go reminding ourselves of how God showed up for us, but it, when you add the word consistent at the front of that, that's when things kind of change. It's kind of like a wet blanket's thrown over the whole idea when you just add that one word at the front, consistent, consistent. So I think if we were to be honest, and, and I think the unfortunate truth really is that for many Christians, while spiritual victory is something we do experience, consistent spiritual victory Consistent spiritual victory often seems elusive. And oftentimes it is the exception and not the rule in the life of God's people. For some of you right now, you might be thinking back to a time where you were walking in victory and you were seeing uh, victory in those areas of your life, but now you're back to where you were before, struggling. For some of you, maybe you, can, uh, you were doing well for a few weeks. Maybe right now you were doing well, and God has given you victory in some of those spiritual battles, and you're like, hey, I'm doing great, but in the back of, the mind, you're, back of your mind, you're thinking, how long is this going to last? Is it only going to be a couple of weeks, a month, six months like the time before? How long is it going to be until I fall back, into that, fall back into that same you know, pattern that I was in? You know, I want you to know this morning that with God's help, it is possible, it is possible to see a consistent pattern of spiritual victory in your life. See, God did not give his life for you, preserve his word for you, so that you could live a defeated Christian life. God died for you and he gave himself for you and he made you his own so that you can live in victory, that you can see consistent spiritual victory through the same faith that saved you. Now, this morning, the subject, of course, is about faith and how our faith can be the catalyst for spiritual victory, really the starting point for a consistent spiritual Christian life. But it starts when we do this, first of all, this morning. And I have just two very, very simple thoughts today. When it comes to consistent spiritual victory, number one, you need to recognize the reality of the battle. Number one, you need to recognize in your heart and in your mind that there is, in fact, a battle, a spiritual battle. Over and over in Scripture, we're reminded about the fact that we are in a battle, not a physical one, but a spiritual battle, that we have a real uh, adversary, and that uh, this adversary, Satan, uh, the devil, Scripture describes him in so many different ways. He is doing everything in his power to ensure that you, the follower of Jesus Christ, are not thriving. You are not growing in grace. He is doing everything that he possibly can, using anything that is under his control to make sure that believers are giving in to those old temptations and make sure that you are giving in those old desires. Now, the Apostle Paul knew about this very well, and he described it for us in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, where he says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And we've got to understand this morning, and you're like, yeah, pastor, I know this, but hey, do you really understand this morning? Do you know for sure that as people of faith, we are in a real spiritual battle? It is spiritual warfare that is taking place. And the problem is, is that he is very often, our adversary is very often winning the battle in our hearts. Very often our adversary is winning the battle because the battle that we are facing is a battle for our minds, now, some people, when they think about spiritual warfare, you know, they think about just simply casting out demons, right? 
you know, and we're all into that, you know, <laughs> ah, <laughs> you know, get away, we have all this, you know, we think about this, or, or maybe you know somebody, you know, maybe you know somebody in your life, um, you know, maybe from your past or something that like, you know, the, the devil's just in everything, you know what I'm saying, like, ah, oh, my knee, you know, <laughs> get out of there, Satan, you know, like, he's in my hurt knee, and he's in, he's in every bad thing that happens, I got a ticket, you know, and I got a speeding ticket, so I'm gonna fight, you know, the devil's just after me. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about because the, the reality is is that the main aspects of spiritual battle that take place in our life deal with our minds. Satan, above anything else, is a deceiver. Scripture tells us that his goal, his strategy, is to deceive the minds of unbelievers and believers as well because he recognizes that when we give in to his lies, our faith simply gets weaker. Think about it. In Genesis chapter 3, when Satan wanted to leave the first man and woman into sin, he started by attacking Eve's mind. Now, we're not going to go there to look through every verse, and I'd encourage you to do that. But later on in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, we are told, he says, But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, this is a warning to the church in Corinth from the Apostle Paul. He says, just like Eve, her, 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 uh, uh, the serpent, so Satan beguiled her through his subtlety, he says, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. So Paul is making a connection here to the fall of man, the original sin that happened, and he connects it to the corruption or the belief of a lie from the serpent. That he beguiled her, he tricked her, he, he lied to her. You might think, well, why would Satan want to attack our minds? It is because our mind, our thoughts, is the part of the image of God where God communicates and he reveals his will to us through his word. Remember, in Scripture, it tells us that the renewal of our minds is how our life is changed, isn't it? You want to change your life, you change your thinking. That's just not like pop psychology, that's Bible right there. You want to see transformation, you want to see change, there's a a difference that has to happen in your mind. God renews our spirit, he renews our hearts through revealing us his truth, and we are renewed through our minds. Romans 12, 2, I'm sure you're thinking about this verse, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So if God does his transformational work uh, through the renewing and the changing of the mind, doesn't it make sense that our adversary, the one who's trying to take us down, does his greatest work by trying to get us to believe in a lie? Does that make sense to you? Makes sense to me. Because if Satan can get you to believe a lie, he can begin to undo all that Christ has done. He can undo what Christ has done. Jesus said this in John 8. He says, ye are of your father the devil, the lust of your father ye will do. This is interesting. He's speaking to his followers. I'm thinking about opening my next week's message with this verse, you know. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> he could say things that I, I don't think I could get away with. It says, you're of the father of the devil, the lust of the father we will, you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. Look at this. And he abode not in the truth. There's nothing true about him because there's no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. I don't think I'm stretching it too far to say that most of the failure and the struggles that you have in the spiritual Christian life is because you're believing a lie from the enemy. Let's just, let's just connect it down just a little bit. How many times have we believed a lie that we've maybe told ourselves or that has been told to us that we deserve more than what we have right now? I deserve more than this. 
and it leads you to a life and a spiral life of discontentment where you're never happy, you're never satisfied, you're always pursuing, meaning you're not satisfied in Christ. <laughs> and so it leads you to be away from Christ in that way. And that's a lie that we believe. These are just a few examples. Sometimes we believe the lie that Jesus isn't worth it. It's not worth living uh, the Christian life. It's too difficult. It's too hard. And so we, we believe this lie. And so we, it takes us away from church. It takes us away uh, from reading scripture. It takes us away from our walk with God. Sometimes we believe a lie that our unsaved coworkers are happier than we are. You ever believe that? Man, as a, as a teenager, you know, working at London Drugs, stocking shelves at four in the morning, right? Man, they all seem pretty happy over there, you know? They were just high is what I realized later on. But at the time, I was like, why am I so tired? And they're just knocking it out. Uh, it is Vancouver after all, right? But, you know, man, they seem so happy. They seem like they have everything uh, together. And so we believe that lie. And so we begin to think that our life isn't making any difference, that God isn't using us. And so we fall away. How many times do you believe the lie that, you know, I deserve this. And so it, you let your mind go to a place where it should not go to continue to click on those links to follow that path that takes you to adultery of the mind and even of the body. That's from believing a lie that God is not enough for you, that your marriage is not enough for you, that your relationship that God has for you one day is not enough for you. The lie that, you know, my actions are not going to hurt anybody else. Sometimes we believe the lie that a person who has hurt us is not worthy of our forgiveness or that they must prove they're worthy before we forgive them. And so it leads us to a life of judgment and bitterness and unkindness. I got to tell you, Satan will lie to you in many ways. He will use whatever he can to get us to assume other people's intentions, to bring division between us. And so many times, even in a church life, divisions that happen in the life of a local church are because people believe lies about one another or about a situation. The spiritual battle that we are in is a real battle, and it's a battle for the mind. It's a battle for your thoughts. And it's an internal battle. It's not a battle that I can see in you. It's not a battle that you see in me. But yet it's very real. And if you're a Christian today, you know what I'm talking about. You've experienced this. This is very, very real. So the question is, what is the answer then to that? How do we get consistent in pushing back against the lies? How do we get consistent in moving forward in our walk with God? Well, the answer is found in the opposite of a lie. What's the opposite of a lie? Help me out here. Truth. Okay, I think you can do better than that. What's the opposite of a lie? Truth. Truth. Okay, good. Everybody seems tired today. You guys okay? I guarantee you I'm more tired than you. All right? Maybe I'm, <laughs> I guarantee you that today. The opposite of that is found in the truth. And that's why I had you turn to 1 John chapter 5. And we're going to read verses 4 and 5 together. 1 John is such a powerful book on the Christian life and evidences of the Christian faith. But I want to share this thought with you this morning when we think about this idea of consistent spiritual warfare or cons consistent spiritual. It is a consistent warfare, but a consistent spiritual victory. Notice here in 1 John 5, it says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our, say that word with me, faith. Okay, so the victory, the overcoming aspect is our faith. Then he says this, who is he that overcometh the world? It's a great question. He that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. So the true answer to victory, it being an overcomer, as a scripture often uses in the Christian life, lies in one place, and it is in our faith. 
Now understand, it is not uh, in the faith that saves us, though that is obviously what leads us to Christ, but it is faith in the one, the continuing faith in the one who made us, the one who changed us, the one who gave us new life through faith. Notice it says here, the one that overcomes is the one that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. So the question is, is how do we do this? Or maybe what's a, a thought that you can take home with you today? Very simply, live as an overcomer. Live as an overcomer. Recognize that there's a spiritual battle, and then you need to live your life as an overcomer. Look back again at the verse. He says, whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Now, the word uh, that we see here translated victory in the second part of verse number four is uh, in the English language. It's based off of the Greek word Nike or properly pronounced Nike. I don't know if you knew that. That's what it's supposed to be. Now today we know it's famous for its swoosh and expensive shoes and highly paid sponsored athletes and all of that, but simply it means victory. That's the word that we see here. This is the victory, the Nike, the Nike that overcomes the world. It is our faith. So what is John trying to get across to us here in these verses? John is trying to help us understand that as a Christian, you are born again. Even though you live in a broken, fallen world, you are a new creature in Christ. We've talked about that. And you have a new divine nature that is within you. And because you have this new nature that dwells within you, it gives you the ability to have true victory, to overcome temptations, overcome the trials and difficulties and challenges of this life. Now, the word overcome here is a word that was very popular uh, with John. He used it several times throughout First uh, John, obviously three times in these couple of verses. He uses it seven times in the book of Revelation, and he uses it so often to describe believers. Now, what he's not doing here is describing a special class of believers. So when you talk about an overcomer, I think, wasn't there like a popular song for a while, uh, Overcomer? I'm an overcomer. Did I get it? That's right, perfect. Okay. Uh, please uh, eliminate that from the live stream. All right, good. <clears throat> Sorry. You can tell I'm tired. Overcomer is a word uh, that you maybe hear in, in the Christian life, but he's not talking about some special breed of people or some unique group of people. It's a name that John uses for the Christian. It's a name he uses for you. So when he says here, an overcomer, who is he that overcomes? He says a person of faith. Here's the point. Because we are saved, we are overcomers. All right, let me explain this a little bit more. Look again at the verse there, verse 5. Who is he that overcometh the world? So who's an overcomer? He that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Are you saved today? Okay, all right. Then you are an overcomer. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? We are overcomers. You say, man, pastor, you're acting so weird. Um, listen, this is important you got to get this, church. you got to understand this, that you, in Christ, you are an overcomer. You are victorious. See, consistent victory is what we can have, and it's a direct result because of our faith, the faith that you and I have in Jesus Christ. Like verse show, the verse shows us there, uh, the one who will overcome is the one who has faith in Christ. Again, this is not faith in ourselves, but this is faith in Jesus, the one who gives us victory. Now, remember John chapter 6, verse 13, where it says, in the world you shall have tribulation. Jesus says this, but be of good cheer. What did he say? I have overcome the world. Okay, so I'm going to connect some dots here real quickly. So we are overcomers based off of our faith in the one who has overcome the world. You got that? Okay, so... To comprehend this, you've got to understand the position or our, in, our position in Christ to fully understand this. Okay, I'm going to share a few verses with you. First John chapter 4, verse 17, herein is our love made purpose, 
uh, perfect, sorry, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. That's the key phrase there that I've underlined in my Bible. As he is, so are we. Notice in 1 John 1, verse 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light. Okay, here's the connection again. We have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sins. 1 John 2, 6, he that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk, even as who? He walked. Okay, so those verses I just shared with you are connecting us something right here. What they're connecting for us is that he, as he is the overcomer, we are also then to live in that same way. Those who claim to be Christians ought to live as Christ did, as overcomers. And it's possible, you say, how is this? That's Jesus. It's possible because we possess his spirit's presence and his spirit's power. And this is why it is important. Because of our position and our calling in Christ, we then are able to live above this world and have victory and live as an overcomer because of our faith and because of our position in Christ. I've heard it described this way. Um, where a person sits or a, position, a person's position determines how much authority they have, right? Okay, so think about your, your office. Maybe you have a GM, okay, general manager. Now, your general manager, where their office is, maybe they don't have an office, maybe they work from home, I get it, uh, you know, but your GM has a certain level of power and authority within the company, right? Maybe they're your, your, you know, that's who you, dire- you know, directly report to, and, and that's who you're around, and they have a level of authority, but then there's somebody else who's called the vice president. And maybe the vice president of the company, and you say, well, I work for this cool company and we don't have labels, you know. You understand what I'm saying, okay? The vice president of the company has more authority than the GM. In fact, they usually tell the GM what to do. And they have authority, but it's also within a little bit of, uh, you know, there's some control there. But the person who sits behind the desk, metaphorically, if you want to use that, labeled president or owner, founder, they're the ones who exercise the most authority in the company. And, and for that person, no matter where they are, they, they are respected and they are obeyed because of their position. Their power is determined by their position. It's not determined by their personal appearance or who they are or that they you know, arm wrestle their way to the top. The fact is, is that it's their position that gives them the authority. Now here's the connection. It's the same way for those of us who are followers of Christ. Our victory is determined in our position, not in how you feel or in the circumstances that surround you. You are an overcomer. You are in a position of victory because of whose you are. And no matter what it is that is around you, no matter what you're facing, no matter how crazy our world seems, you are in a position of victory. You are an overcomer. Even when it feels like you're not, you are. You got it? You are. You are that overcomer. See, when you trusted Christ as your Savior, you received the Holy Spirit of God. You were made a member of the family of God. Your old life was buried. Your new life was raised in this life with Christ. And in Christ, we are seated. Uh, scripture talks about we are going to sit uh, in the throne of the universe with him. We have overcome the world. And so because Christ is an overcomer, you have Christ. You are his. You yourself are also already in victory. And so you do not have to face this life defeated. You can face it in victory because Christ has already given it to you. Jesus himself has defeated every enemy that you might face, and we share in that victory. All that we need to do is simply claim that victory through faith in the one who has already given us the victory. See, faith has always been the key to victory for the life of the believer. 
Of the great men and women that are mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, they were all people who simply looked to God, they believed in God, and they acted on it, and as a result, God honored them in their faith, and they received victory in whatever it was that they were facing. I'm going to very quickly roll through some of these uh, uh, j- just for us to help us understand this. But think about Abel, who's mentioned in Hebrews uh, chapter 11. This is where it all begins, who he overcame uh, the pride of this world. Enoch, of course, overcame the progress of this world. Cain, uh, who survived, uh, who killed his brother, of course, who then was cursed and sent out. Uh, Cain uh, focused on and founded a civilization with a very strong emphasis on human achievement. But Enoch, we know in, in contrast in Scripture, he walked with God, and therefore he was then qualified for uh, a unique rapture in his life. But he walked with God. Uh, later on, it talks about Noah and how he, by faith, overcame the pollution of the world. I mean, he lived in a society where every imagination of the man's heart was evil continually, and they did it. Whatever they could think of, whatever evil they could come up with, they did it. And Noah lived above that. He overcame that, the pollution of this world. Uh, Abraham, of course, we know is mentioned how he, by faith, overcame the prospects of this world. He He was wealthy. He had so much ahead of him, and yet he chose to pursue a heavenly city. Sarah, by faith, overcame the paralysis of this world. Even though she was 90 years of age and it seemed like she could not have children anymore, by faith and in Christ, she was able to be regenerated to that point to bring Isaac into the world, the one who'd be the ancestor of the Son of God. Uh, Isaac is mentioned in Hebrews 11 as well as he was one who overcame the passions of this world. He almost missed out on God's plan for him, but by faith, he overcame it. Jacob, by faith, overcame the perspectives of this world. It took a long time for him to get to that point, but he finally understood his purpose in life and the fact that God had created him for a purpose and for a reason, and he needed to pursue Christ above all things. Moses overcame faith, uh, overcame by faith the prince of this world. Really, his parents did. I mean, they defied the murderous uh, uh, order of Pharaoh that was given, and they were not afraid. They did the right thing. Moses, of course, we know, overcame the power of this world in his life later on. And lastly, Rahab overcame the punishment of this world. Through her testimony and hanging of that scarlet line out of her window, she signified her trust in God, and she overcame the punishment that was to come to her city. In each of these testimonies, and you could go back and and read through all of them, but in each of these testimonies, we see their faith as the catalyst for victory. That's why it says all throughout that chapter, by faith, by faith, by faith. And sometimes maybe you read that and you're like, I don't understand how their faith, I, I know I talked very quickly and I can give that to you later if you want me to text it to you. Uh, but uh, it was by faith that they overcame these huge obstacles. The point is that faith is not simply saying what God says is true. True faith is acting on what God says because it is true. Remember, it's all about truth, Right? So faith is not just simply saying what God says is true. True faith is acting. And all of these people acted on what God had promised to them. And because they acted on what God had promised to them, they saw it through and they had victory. See, the more that we come to know and, and love Jesus Christ, the easier it is for us to obey him. The easier it is for us to trust him. And, and with all the needs and the battles and the struggles of life, but it takes us putting action to our faith. Now, I don't, know, I don't know what it is that you're facing this morning. I really don't. Uh, I, I know some of what you're going through. I know that for many of you, there are a lot of challenges and temptations and trials. And I don't know what lies you might be believing right now. You might be believing a, a lie that is keeping you from experiencing this. But I just want you to understand this morning that in Christ, because of Christ, 
you can experience and see victory. This is true faith. This is the faith that overcomes the world. Christ did it. We have it, but we need to live in that position. It's an attitude of victory. Remember 1 John 4, 4 says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It's really simple. It's really simple. The starting point for a consistent spiritual victory is simply understanding your position of victory. You say, man, that's really simple, Pastor. It is. And it's simple because we need <laughs> to really grasp it. We need to really grasp it. You know, there's been so many times in my life where I've faced difficult circumstances and challenges, and I faced it already defeated. Faced it already defeated. And really, it's just been in the last several years that God has helped me to understand that I can approach, I can face anything in this life because Christ has already won. He's already defeated it. And so right now, some of you are facing situations and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I don't know how I'm going to recover from this. I don't know how I'm going to get to next month, let alone tomorrow, (laughs) and all of the things that you're facing. But I want to tell you today that you can face it. You can go head on at it. You can see spiritual victory against that temptation, that trial, whatever it is that you're facing, because Christ has already won. Christ overcame the world, and you, by faith, are an overcomer as well. And this is not some, like, you know, mental trick. This is founded on truth, remember? And Satan loves to lie to you and say, you can't do it. You're already defeated. I got you. I know you. You failed before. I got you again. Got you now again. Remember last time? He reminds you about your high school days, right? And you're like, why am I thinking about this? (laughs) He knows how to get us. But Christ is saying, I have overcome. I have overcome, and you can overcome as well. So whatever it is that you're facing right now, I just want to encourage you with this simple thought. You're going to get through it. It's okay. God's got you but your faith has to be the driver of that. So head through it, face it. I imagine Noah, when God told him what was gonna happen, and he was given a choice of faith to build the ark, right? God told him all about it. He didn't know when it was coming. He was given a choice there by faith. It must have seemed very overwhelming as he looked at his sons, you know? (laughs) They don't even know how to swing a hammer. (laughs) And we're supposed to build this? But yet, because of his faith, he kept going. He kept following after Christ. He fought off all of the attacks from all around him. And God did something miraculous in his life because by faith, he overcame. So apply that to whatever situation you're facing right now in your life. Whatever challenge it is, you say, yeah, it's not even that big. It doesn't matter. Whatever you're facing, is your faith such that says, you know what? With Christ, I'm going to get through this. With Christ, I'm going to move forward. My faith is evidence that God is in control. If you're struggling, I want to tell you, God has a better plan for you. He has a better plan for you. I think for some people, the Christian life and what we know about God and what we know about his word and when we connect that to how we're living our life, it becomes such a burden to us sometimes because of our failures, because of our struggles. But God's desire for the Christian is never to stay down when we're defeated, it was to get back up and to keep moving forward. 
And I know that some of you here today, you're in a position of defeat. You are defeated. You're, it, it took all that you could to get here today. And maybe you only came because you were worried about what somebody else would think if you didn't show up. And, and you're just living in defeat. Let's, let's get back to that position of victory. Let's, let's get things right with the Lord. If there's something that needs to be confessed, something you need to work, maybe there's a lie that you're believing and you need to tell Satan to take a hike. Enough of those lies and realize that in Christ, through faith, you are an overcomer. You will, you will see and experience spiritual victory. And not just victory once, but you can receive consistent victory as you begin to live in that way. Like we talked about last week, when we take those escapes that God gives us in temptation, the more you take the escape, the easier it is to find and the quicker you get to it. And it's the same way with our faith. When you're confronted with a situation, you're confronted with a temptation, and you say, you know what? Man, God, is, God has already defeated this in my life. I don't, I don't have to succumb to this. I don't have to believe this lie. The more that you do it, the more that you work at it, right? You strengthen that muscle. You get it, you get it going. The, more, the better and easier it is. And God wants to do that for you. I was reading a book recently um, on this subject of, of just, the title of the book is Winning the War in Your Mind. And it's so helpful to me because it deals a lot with this. So often our mindset is just defeat. It's not in victory. And just realizing that I can face. This morning when I got up, I, I really didn't want to get up. I just want to tell you that right now. I really, you ever feel like that? I feel like that all the time. But man, I was tired. Uh, and and uh, I think this was the sound I made when my alarm went off. Ugh, you know? <laughs> and then God convicted me. And he's like, you're about to preach on victory, you know? You're about to preach on having faith and moving forward. And I was like, okay, right? And I thought to myself as I was getting ready, I was like, all right, you know what? God has this. God has this for us today. And I'm not just trying to make you feel bad for me, although I am a little bit. But here, here's what's interesting what God does. Okay, so, so this morning, I was, just be a little real here, okay? I was, I was just not feeling it. I was really struggling. And, um, and within two minutes, maybe three minutes at the most. Within two minutes, I got three text messages from three different pastors from all over the country saying, I'm praying for you right now. And, and I was feeling a little defeated coming into the message today. And I wasn't sure how it was gonna, how it was gonna go. And I still don't know how it went, but God at that point was like, you know what, this is what we need. This is what we need, I, I'm with you. And here's what's so cool is that when we just have that firm posture of being, you know what, I'm, this is what God's called me to do, I'm gonna do it. I'm going to follow through. I'm going to do this right. I'm going to defeat. I'm going to fight temptation. I'm going to live for Christ. I'm going to raise my family. I'm going to do the right thing. What happens is that God comes alongside of you and it finds the ways to encourage you that you never expected. And it's so awesome to see God work in that way.